diseases, um, hardships, and financial struggles. Can I tell you that's a lie? <laughs> that's not true. Christ's death on the sacrifice did not win for us victory over illness and all financial hardships. There's an easy, there's an easy answer why to that, because, because Christ healed diseases before he died on the cross. <laughs> so here's the great thing about our God. Sometimes God will intervene and he'll perform a miracle. Sometimes he will heal a disease. Sometimes he will provide a financial or some otherwise breakthrough in our lives. But that is not why Christ died on the cross. Christ died on the cross. Christ suffered and bled and died on the cross to win for us the ultimate treasure, the ultimate prize, the ultimate return on investment, and that is eternal life through the forgiveness of our sins. That's when church people should give me an amen, right? That is what is won for us on the cross. We have salvation. We have life. We have the forgiveness of sins. We have the ultimate breakthrough of eternal life, no matter what happens in this life. Christ wins for us our salvation, our redemption on the cross. And that is the hope to which we hold, which again is somehow, some means, unsatisfactory for many people who want more and want the promise of more and are expecting more of God. This problem of pain of why do we suffer, it's actually what led C.S. Lewis to faith. C.S. Lewis, he was very content, he says, a very content and well-researched atheist for most of his life, except it was actually the problem of pain that he writes about that actually led to the breakthrough from his atheistic belief and worldview that there is no God to say that there has to be a God. The argument, I'm going to, let me whip through this and we'll kind of get into some other things. The argument goes something like this. Um, many people will say, you know, when they look at tragedy, they look at suffering, they look at difficulty in the world, uh, they will say that, you know, either God is all good, but he's not all powerful, so he won't stop the tsunami, he won't stop the earthquake. He won't stop the hand of the gunman. He won't stop the explosion of the bomb. He won't intervene. Or God is all good. No, so he's, so, so he's all good, but not all powerful, so he can't. Or he's all powerful, but he's not all good, so he, so he won't. And you set up God, of course, as the straw man, as they say, to take a fall either way. The problem, though, that Lewis observed and that many people have observed is that whenever your pain causes you to reject God, the rejection of God does nothing to ease your pain, right? When your pain causes you to shake your fist and turn your back and walk away from God, you're not effectively doing anything to resolve the pain which caused you to question the goodness or the power of God in the first place. And in fact, what we would say is you're cutting yourself off from the very source of possible hope, healing, redemption, renewal. You're cutting yourself off from the source of healing and the one who will take your suffering and walk with you through it. So rejecting God in the midst of the pain does nothing to actually relieve the pain. In fact, it only presses the question a little bit further, and Lewis goes into great detail in this. If you are truly wrestling with suffering, let me just say this before I forget. Read something like 
the problem of pain, or R.C. Sproul's surprised by suffering, or if you want a narrative of it, uh, read, uh, I believe it's, I'm saying the name right, I believe it's Nicholas Walterstoff's uh, Lament for a Son, if you want a narrative story of deep, 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 deep suffering. These are resources that I've been going to the past few weeks in preparation. Where was I going with that? <laughs> but it is, it is um, oh, where was I going with that? Oh, oh, it is, it is Lewis then who, who makes the observation when he's talking about the problem of pain. Oh, I got to look at my notes here because I just drew a blank completely. I wanted, wanted to give you those resources. Where is God? Why do we suffer the problem of pain? Um, I'll have to come back around to it. He makes a, he, he makes a great point in that. Um, this is the most mind blank I've ever had in a message. What was this? I, I, I'll have to look at my notes. Let me go now to uh, a reading from Peter, who's going to address for us this real problem of suffering and pain in his life. And then maybe when I get back into the preaching, I'll remember that quote from Lewis on uh, the problem of, of pain here. So, 1 Peter chapter 4, we're going to pick up at 12. He says this. Do a time check. Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. By the way, I will tell, I've told the story, I'll tell it again another time. Literally, in the last church that we planted on the opening weekend, it burned down to the ground, and I went through my ordeal. It was whenever I read this verse that I began to have some consolation because of literally the words, the fiery ordeal. <laughs> Dear brothers, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come on you to test you. To test you as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ, so that you may be overjoyed when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted because of the name of Christ, you are blessed, for the Spirit of glory and of God rests on you. If you suffer, it should not be, this is such an important point, if you suffer, it should not be as a murderer or a thief or any other kind of criminal or even as a meddler. However, if you suffer as a Christian, do not be ashamed, but praise God that you bear his name. Oh yeah, yeah, so Lewis's point was this, <laughs> and the problem of pain. If we reject God, we reject the source of saying our suffering is wrong or unnatural. If we reject God, see, if it is only the natural world, and we're, we can't go deep into this, if it is only the natural world and only natural order, it is only our perception that the tsunami is evil. It's just doing what a tsunami does, what nature does. It is only our perception that an earthquake somehow causes suffering. The earth just quakes sometime. It is only perception that the fire that destroys somehow brings hardship on us. The natural world just has a course of events, and if we remove God from the equation, remove our moorings to say there is actual pain and suffering. In effect, when we reject God, we have to say of our own pain, of our own misery, of our own suffering, of our own hardship, get over yourself. That's Lewis's great insight. If we reject God, when we perceive things as hardships, we just need to ultimately say, get over yourself because you just perceive it as pain. 
The world is just doing what the world does. But if God is, and God is just, and God is merciful, and God calls some things evil and some things good, then things of evil that cause suffering and pain and hardship and hurt, we do have a foundation to cry out to God for help in the midst of those seasons. When suffering does come to us at these levels, though, it is good for us to assess why we are suffering. It's good for us to step back and assess where is the source of this. Sometimes the source is our own choices, right? Sometimes we're in the midst of pain and suffering and struggling. We have to confess, I've brought this on myself. My choices, my decisions, my actions brought this upon me. If we jump out of a plane without a parachute, we will suffer the consequences of gravity. And we made that choice, a humorous way to illustrate sometimes we make decisions that will lead to pain, to suffering, or to our own demise. Sometimes we suffer <clears throat> at the hands of others' choices. Sometimes others make choices that bring pain, sorrow, suffering, hurt upon us. It is in these moments, of course, that we want to cry out to God, do something about it, bring justice, eradicate all sources of hardship and suffering, of evil, of struggle right now. When we make that cry, again, we must recognize that if God were to eliminate the source of suffering here and now immediately in this moment, personally for us, he would eliminate us. Because sometimes the hard reality of this one is to reflect that sometimes I am the cause of pain and suffering in others' lives. Sometimes choices that I have made have had unfortunate consequences for others. Sometimes we make choices that bring pain and suffering. Sometimes others make choices that bring pain and suffering in the lives of others. Sometimes pain and suffering comes because, and this would be the umbrella for most, simply because we live in a fallen world. A fallen world in which we do not properly relate to the world around us. We do not properly relate to one another. And we do not properly relate even to ourselves. And that fundamental brokenness, this thing that the Bible calls the fall into sin, this missing of the mark, this misdirection of all of creation, simply brings about it pain and suffering. Over all of this is the canopy of spiritual suffering. We've been talking about this throughout the series, that we suffer. Sometimes we suffer, as we began the series, with addiction. Sometimes we suffer with anxiety or worry. Sometimes we suffer with depression or suicidal thoughts. Other times we suffer with fear. All of this comes to us by attack, that there is an evil one who is on the attack, who is seeking to steal and to kill and to destroy. And we should not be surprised then whenever we see death and destruction, killing and harm in the wake of the path of the evil one seeking to do exactly what he does to seek, to kill, and to destroy. The joy of the people of God, the hope that we have of heaven, the faith that we have that Jesus is with us and will even redeem and reconcile all things together in his name, in his return. So we live in the midst of a spiritual battle that brings suffering and hardship, but in the midst of this battle of suffering and hardship, we cry out in a statement of faith as the people of God that he is working all things together for good for those who are called 
according to his name. It comes from Romans chapter 8, verse 28. We know all things. God works for the good. Not all things are good. There are evil, bad, wicked things in the world. Not all things are good. We have already established that. In a fallen world, there are not good things. Not that all things are good, but God can work all things together for the good, for those who love Him, for those who He has called according to His purpose. When we surrender our lives to Jesus Christ and call on Him as Lord and Savior, when we stand in the affirmation of faith and trust that we have been called according to His purpose, we have confidence that all things will in time work together for good. And so we can declare God is good in the midst of suffering. In the midst of suffering, we know God is good. God is working together, all things together for the good. Because Time after time, Christian after Christian, person after person will share with you the testimony that it was through the most difficult season of their life, through the pain, through the hardship, through the suffering, through the brokenness, that God was able to do His deepest work of grace in their life. It is not that we would want to go through that season again. It is not that we would wish it upon anyone. But Christians actually get to the point where they would say, I would not exchange that season of hardship because of the work of grace that it was God was able to do through it in me. I never want to walk through it again. I hope I never have a season like that again. But don't take that away from me because in the midst of that suffering, God did a work in and through me that has grown His grace in me. And now my greatest joy comes from Him. And my area of calling and ministry and purpose has been so defined even through that season. How many times is it on the other side of these trials, of these sufferings, that people finally learn and embrace a mission and a calling and a service in the name of Jesus for the church and for the glory of the world. It is through those seasons of suffering that God is able to refine and define His call and His purpose in our lives when we share in these sufferings with Jesus Christ. It was a quote that came from a Romanian pastor in the midst of the persecution of the church during the height of communism when addressing a collection of Christians uh, in a covert scenario we can only imagine. He declared this to the assembly that was gathered. He said, Christians must become as nails. The harder they hit us, the deeper we must go. Christians must become as nails. The harder they hit us, the deeper we go. When suffering hits you, my brothers and sisters, go deep into Jesus Christ. When pain hits you, I commend to you, go deep into Jesus Christ. When you get the answer that it is cancer, go deeper into Christ. When he tells you or she tells you that they're leaving and that it's over, go deeper into Christ. 
when you are being hunted down and overcome with anxiety, go deeper into Christ. When your fears seem like they're going to overtake you, friends, go deeper into Christ. When depression has captured your soul and you're in that dark night, friends, go deeper into Christ. We, as people of Jesus Christ, as followers of Jesus, must become as these nails. We must go deeper into Him, for He did not forsake the nails for our behalf. We must become the nails that go deeper into Him when suffering and pain and hardship comes to us. We must become the very nails of the church holding together as the body of Christ as hardship comes on us. We must become as the nails holding together even the very fabric of our community as the world cries out for a reason to have faith and to have hope and to have trust and to have reason to go on. We must become as these nails because he did not forsake them on our behalf. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he bore a suffering and a pain and a tragedy that none of us have to bear. He took the consequences of the fallen world, of the separation from God, of the sins that plague all of creation, and He took them on the cross to become our atoning sacrifice. And the very heart of the core of the story of God is that now because of the suffering of Jesus Christ, we have one who we know suffers with us, who is not a stranger to the pain and to the sorrow, to the agony of our lives, who is not distant and callous and far off from the hardships that we endure, but we have a God who endures them alongside of us, and more than just enduring them, He will redeem them. He will redeem every hardship, every suffering, every pain, every tear. Every tear will be redeemed, we are told by the psalmist. Every tear will not be wasted when it is redeemed in the consummation of the kingdom of God. For the sufferings point us to the glory of God. That because He died for our sins, we might live forever in Him. And so I want to simply commend to you in the midst of your suffering, to become as nails, to go deeper into Him every time it hits you. Go deeper and deeper into Him. We are going to bring this now together by coming to the table of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Whenever you come to the table, you're going to notice I have a basket right there in front of the table. I invite each and every one of you for yourself or maybe for someone else, someone that you know that needs this message, to go ahead and take a nail or take ten. I don't care. I got them for, I'll get more if we run out. <laughs> if you are going through your midst of suffering, take one or some of these nails and keep it with you. And whenever you feel overcome, take hold, grasp it, and go deeper into Him who did not forsake the nails to win salvation on your behalf. Or take one of these nails and give it to another and say, I am now using this nail symbolically to hold myself together with you. Thinking of two boards, you know, being fastened together. I will walk through this season with you. I will walk through 
this cancer with you. I will walk through this separation with you. I will walk through this job loss with you. I will walk through this hardship. Whatever it is, I will walk through with you as a brother or a sister in Christ. Let this be your reminder that we never go alone, that we, Jesus Christ is with us always to the very end of the age, and he has made for us, become for us the very body of Christ so that we could go together with brothers and sisters in faith. So take one of these. Take one for yourself or maybe even for someone else who you will help in the midst of their suffering. As you come forward to this table now, remember that this table, we are told by the Apostle Paul in his letter to the Corinthians, that this table is for us now a participation in not just the salvation that we have through Jesus Christ, but a participation in his suffering. This is a participation with us in his suffering. For Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, after giving thanks to God, he took the bread and he broke it. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body broken. This is my body that will suffer on your behalf. Take and eat, participate with me, and do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he lifted up the cup, saying, this cup is now the new covenant which is sealed in my blood, which is shed for you for the forgiveness of your sins. Every time we drink of this, we too participate in the suffering of Jesus Christ, who shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. So friends, when we eat of this bread and when we drink of this cup, we are proclaiming the saving death, the suffering death, the redeeming death of our risen, reigning, and returning Lord Jesus Christ. And when he returns, every tear will be wiped away, every hardship and sorrow will be redeemed in the glory of the kingdom. For no pain that we endure in this world can even come close to comparing to the riches that are in store for all of the children of God. Amen? Amen. This is the hope that we hold to, and this is the table where we're invited to share together. I'm going to invite our team to come forward. The band is going to start to play some of our music, and some of our leaders are going to come forward, and we're going to create two stations on either side of the basket of nails. And when you come forward, all are welcome, by the way. All are welcomed who know Jesus Christ and call on Him as Lord and Savior, and who want to participate in this table. If for any reason you feel you can't participate, you will receive no judgment here. Just respectfully worship God in your own way and allow those of us who will come forward to come to this table. But whenever you come, you will receive a piece of bread and you'll receive the cup. I ask you then to immediately return to your seat. Once we are all seated with the bread and with the cup, then together as the body of Christ, we will take and we will eat and then we will take and we will drink, and then we will continue to worship our God. These are the gifts of God for the people of God, and I invite all of you, my friends and family in Christ our Lord, to join with me now at this table.
we do have a gluten-free option on the table. The body of Christ broken for you. Broken for you. The blood of Christ. Body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out. The body of Christ broken for you, Sharon. The blood of Christ. The body of Christ broken for you, Kevin. The body of Christ broken for you, Roger. The body of Christ broken for you, Lisa. The body of Christ broken for you, Keith. The body of Christ broken for you, my other. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you, Mary. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you, Lori. The body of Christ broken for you, Gal. The body of Christ broken for you, Diane. The body of Christ broken for you, Al. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you, Dwayne. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you, Al. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ poured out for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The blood of Christ. The body of Christ broken for you, Jeff. The body of Christ broken for you, Lord. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ broken for you. The body of Christ. Christ broken for you, Rich. The cup of salvation. The body of Christ broken for you, Barbara. The cup of our salvation. The body of Christ broken for you and the cup of our salvation. This is the body of Christ broken for you. Take and eat. Remember his suffering for our salvation. The blood of Christ 
shed for you and for the forgiveness of your sins. Take and drink and do this in remembrance of the price he paid to win eternal life for all of us. Jesus, we thank you that you stand with us in our suffering. You will not leave us or abandon us, but have promised to redeem us. And that no hardship we endure on this side of your return can even compare with the glories and riches that await in the consummation of your kingdom in your return. Come, Lord Jesus, come. We worship you.